It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 10 of St. Elmo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. St. Elmo by Augusta Jane Evans, Chapter 10. When Mr. Hammond mentioned Edna's determination to discontinue Hebrew, Mr. Lee expressed no surprise, asked no explanation, but the minister noticed that he bit his lip and beat a hurried tattoo with the heel of his boot on the stony hearth and as he studiously avoided all allusion to her he felt assured that the conversation which she had overheard must have reached the ears of her partner also and supplied him with a satisfactory solution of her change of purpose for several weeks edna saw nothing of her quondam schoolmate and fixing her thoughts more firmly than ever on her studies the painful recollection of the birthday fete was slowly fading from her mind when one morning as she was returning from the parsonage mr lee joined her and asked permission to attend her home the sound of his voice the touch of his hand brought back all the embarrassment and constraint and called up the flush of confusion so often attributed to other sources than that from which it really springs after a few commonplace remarks he asked when is mr murray coming home i have no idea even his mother is ignorant of his plans how long has he been absent four years to-day indeed so long where is he i believe his last letter was written at edfu and he said nothing about returning what do you think of his singular character i know almost nothing about him as i was too young when i saw him to form an estimate of him do you not correspond edna looked up with unfeigned astonishment and could not avoid smiling at the inquiry certainly not a short silence followed and then mr lee said do you not frequently ride on horseback yes sir will you permit me to accompany you to-morrow afternoon i have promised to make a visit with mr hammond to-morrow morning then before breakfast she hesitated the blush deepened and after a brief struggle she said hurriedly please excuse me mr lee i prefer to ride alone he bowed and was silent for a minute but she saw a smile lurking about the corners of his handsome mouth threatening to run riot over his features by the by miss edna i am coming to-night to ask your assistance in a chaldee quandary 
for several days i have been engaged in a controversy with mr hammond on the old battlefield of ethnology and in order to establish my position of diversity of origin have been comparing the septuagint with some passages from the talmud i heard you say that there was a rabbinical targum in the library at le bocage and i must beg you to examine it for me and ascertain whether it contains any comments on the first chapter of genesis somewhere in my most desultory reading i have seen it stated that in some of those early targums was the declaration that god originally created men red white and black mr hammond is charitable enough to say that i must have smoked an extra cigar and dreamed the predicate i am so anxious to authenticate will you oblige me by searching for the passage certainly mr lee with great pleasure though perhaps you would prefer to take the book and look through it yourself my knowledge of chaldee is very limited pardon me my mental vis inertiae vetoes the bare suggestion i study by proxy whether an opportunity offers for laziness is the only hereditary taint in the lee blood as i am very much interested in this ethnological question i shall enter into the search with great eagerness thank you do you take the unity or diversity side of the discussion her merry laugh rang out through the forest that bordered the road oh mr lee what a ridiculous question i do not presume to take any side for i do not pretend to understand or appreciate all the arguments advanced but i am anxious to acquaint myself with the bearings of the controversy the idea of my taking sides on a subject which grey-haired savants have spent their laborious lives in striving to elucidate seems extremely ludicrous still you are entitled to an idea either pro or con even at the outset i have an idea that neither you nor i know anything about the matter and the per saltum plan of taking sides will only add the prop of prejudice to my ignorance if with all his erudition mr hammond still abstains from dogmatizing on this subject i can well afford to hold my crude opinions in abeyance i must stop here mr lee at mrs carter's on an errand for mrs murray good morning sir i will hunt the passage you require how have i offended you miss edna he took her hand and detained her i am not offended mr lee and she drew back why do you dismiss me in such a cold unfriendly way if i sometimes appear rude pardon my unfortunate manner and believe that it results from no unfriendliness you will be at home this evening yes sir unless something very unusual occurs they parted and during the remainder of the walk edna could think of nothing but the revelation written in gordon lee's eyes the immemorial yet ever new and startling truth that opened a new vista in life that told her she was no longer an isolated child but a woman regnant over the generous heart of one of the pets of society she saw that he intended her to believe he loved her and suspicious as gossips had made her with reference to his conduct she could not suppose he was guilty of heartless and contemptible trifling she trusted his honour yet the discovery of his affection 
brought a sensation of regret a vague self-reproach and she felt that in future he would prove a source of endless disquiet hitherto she had enjoyed his society henceforth she felt that she must shun it she endeavoured to banish the recollection of that strange expression in his generally laughing eyes and bent over the targum hoping to cheat her thoughts into other channels but the face would not down at her bidding and as the day drew near its close she grew nervous and restless the chandelier had been lighted and mrs murray was standing at the window of the sitting-room watching for the return of a servant whom she had sent to the post-office when edna said i believe mr lee is coming here to tea he told me so this morning where did you see him he walked with me as far as mrs carter's gate and asked me to look out a reference which he thought i might find in one of mr murray's books mrs murray smiled and said do you intend to receive him in that calico dress why not i am sure it is very neat it is perfectly new and fits me well and is very suitable to wear to the parsonage but not quite appropriate when gordon lee takes tea here you will oblige me by changing your dress and rearranging your hair which is twisted too loosely when she re-entered the room a half-hour later mrs murray leaned against the mantelpiece with an open letter in her hand and dreary disappointment printed on her face i hope you have no unpleasant tidings from mr murray may i ask why you seem so much depressed the mother's features twitched painfully as she restored the letter to its envelope and answered my son's letter is dated philo just two months ago and he says he intended starting next day to the interior of persia he says too that he did not expect to remain away so long but finds that he will probably be in central asia for another year the only comforting thing in the letter is the assurance that he weighs more and is in better health than when he left home the ringing of the doorbell announced mr lee's arrival and as she led the way to the parlour mrs murray hastily fastened a drooping spray of coral berries in edna's hair before tea was ended other visitors came in and the orphan found relief from her confusion in the general conversation while dr rodney the family physician was talking to her about some discoveries of Ehrenberg concerning which she was very curious mr lee engrossed mrs murray's attention and for some time their conversation was exceedingly earnest then the latter rose and approached the sofa where edna sat saying gravely edna give me this seat i want to have a little chat with the doctor and by the way my dear i believe mr lee is waiting for you to show him some book you promised to find for him go into the library there is a good fire there the room was tempting indeed to students and as the two sat down before the glowing grate and mr lee glanced at the warm rich curtains sweeping from ceiling to carpet the black walnut bookcases girding the walls on all sides and the sentinel bronze bus keeping watch over the musty tombs within he rubbed his fingers and exclaimed certainly this is the most delightful library in the world and offers a premium for recluse life and studious habits how incomprehensible it is that murray should prefer to pass his years roaming over deserts and wandering about neglected comfortless cons when he might spend them in such an elysium as this the man must be demented how do you explain the mystery 
chacun a son goût i consider it none of my business and as i suppose he is the best judge of what contributes to his happiness i do not meddle with the mystery poor murray his wretched disposition is a great curse i pity him most sincerely from what i remember of him i am afraid he would not thank you for your pity or admit that he needed or merited it here is the targum mr lee and here is the very passage you want she opened an ancient chaldee manuscript and spreading it on the library table they examined it together spelling out the words and turning frequently to a dictionary which lay near neither knew much about the language now and then they differed in the interpretation and more than once edna referred to the rules of her grammar to establish the construction of the sentences engrossed in the translation she forgot all her apprehensions of the morning and the old ease of manner came back her eyes met his fearlessly her smile greeted him cheerily as in the early months of their acquaintance and while she bent over the pages she was deciphering his eyes dwelt on her beaming countenance with a fond tender look that most girls of her age would have found it hard to resist and pleasant to recall in after days neither suspected that an hour had passed until dr rodney peeped into the room and called them back to the parlour to make up a game of whist it was quite late when mr lee rose to say good-night and as he drew on his gloves he looked earnestly at edna and said i am coming again in a day or two to show you some plans for a new house which i intend to build before long clara differs with me about the arrangement of some columns and arches and i shall claim you and mrs murray for my allies in this architectural war the orphan was silent but the lady of the house replied promptly yes come as often as you can gordon and cheer us up for it is terribly dull here without st elmo suppose you repudiate that incorrigible vandal and adopt me in his place i would prove a model son very well i shall acquaint him with your proposition and threaten an immediate compliance with it if he does not come home soon mrs murray rang the bell for the servant to lock up the house and said souto voce what a noble fellow gordon is if i had a daughter i would select him for her husband where are you going edna i left a manuscript on the library table and as it is very rare and valuable i want to replace it in the glass box where it belongs before i go to sleep lighting a candle she lifted the heavy targum and slowly approached the suite of rooms which she was now in the habit of visiting almost daily earlier in the day she had bolted the door but left the key in the lock expecting to bring the targum back as soon as she had shown mr lee the controverted passage now as she crossed the rotunda an unexpected sound as of a chair sliding on the marble floor seemed to issue from the inner room and she paused to listen under the flare of the candle the vindictive face of shiva and the hooded viper twined about his arm looked more hideous than ever warning her not to approach yet all was silent save the tinkling of a bell far down in the park where the sheep clustered under the cedars opening the door which was ajar she entered held the light high over her head and peered a little nervously around the room but here too all was quiet as the grave and quite as dreary and the only moving thing seemed her shadow that flitted slightly as the candlelight flickered over the cold gleaming white tiles the carpets and curtains even the rich silk hangings of the arch were all packed away and edna shivered as she looked through both rooms satisfied herself that she had mistaken the source of the sound and opened the box where the manuscripts were kept at sight of them her mind 
reverted to the theme she had been investigating and happening to remember the importance attached by ethnologists to the early coptic inscriptions she took from the bookshelves a volume containing copies of many of these characters and drawings of the triumphal processions carved on granite and representing the captives of various nations torn from their homes to swell the pompous retinue of some barbaric ramses or sesostris drifting back over the grey waveless tideless sea of centuries she stood in imagination upon the steps of the serapium at memphis and when the wild chant of the priests had died away under the huge propyleum she listened to the sighing of the tamarinds and fascias and the low babble of the sacred nile as it rocked the lotus leaves under the glowing purple sky whence a full moon flooded the ancient city with light and kindled like a beacon the vast placid face of the sphinx rising solemn and lonely and weird from its desert lair and staring blankly hopelessly across arid yellow sands at the dim colossi of old misraim following the sinuous stream of coptic civilization to its inexplicable source in the date groves of moreau the girl's thoughts were borne away to the golden fountain of the sun where ammon's black doves fluttered and cooed over the shining altars and amid the mystic symbols of the marvellous friezes as edna bent over the drawings in the book oblivious for a time of everything else she suddenly became aware of the presence of someone in the room for though perfect stillness reigned there was a consciousness of companionship of the proximity of some human being and with a start she looked up expecting to meet a pair of eyes fastened upon her but no living thing confronted her the tall bent figure of the cimbri prophetess gleamed ghostly white upon the wall and the bright blue augurous eyes seemed to count the dripping blood drops and the unbroken solemn silence of night brooded over all things hushing even the chime of sheep bells that had died away among the elm arches knowing that no superstitious terrors had ever seized her heretofore the young student rose took up the candle and proceeded to search the two rooms but as unsuccessfully as before there certainly is somebody here but i cannot find out where these words were uttered aloud and the echo of her own voice seemed sepulchral then the chill silence again fell upon her she smiled at her own folly and thought her imagination had been unduly excited by the picture she had been examining and that the nervous shiver that crept over her was the result of the cold just then the candlelight flashed over the black marble statuette grinning horribly as it kept guard over the taj mahal edna walked up to it placed the candle on the slab that supported the tomb and stooping scrutinized the lock a spider had ensconced himself in the golden receptacle and spun a fine web across the front of the temple and edna swept the airy drapery away and tried to drive the little weaver from his den but he shrank further and further and finally she took the key from her pocket and put it far enough into the opening to eject the intruder who slung himself down one of the silken threads and crawled sullenly out of sight withdrawing the key she toyed with it and glanced curiously at the mausoleum taking her handkerchief she carefully brushed off the cobwebs that festooned the minarets and murmured that fragment of persian poetry which she once heard the absent master repeat to his mother and which she had found only a few days before quoted by an eastern traveller the spider hath woven his web in the imperial palaces 
and the own hath sung her watch-song on the towers of afa sa siab it's exactly four years to-night since mr murray gave me this key but he charged me not to open the taj unless i had reason to believe that he was dead his letter states that he is alive and well consequently the time has not come for me to unseal the mystery it is strange that he trusted me with this secret strange that he who doubts all of his race could trust a child of whom he really knew so little certainly it must have been a singular freak which gave this affair into my keeping but at least i will not betray the confidence he reposed in me with the contents of that vault i can have no concern and yet i wish the key was safely back in his hands it annoys me to conceal it and i feel all the while as if i were deceiving his mother these words were uttered half unconsciously as she fingered the key and for a few seconds she stood there thinking of the master of the house wondering what luckless influence had so early blackened and distorted his life and whether he would probably return to le bocage before she left it to go out and carve her fortune in the world's noisy quarry the light danced over her countenance and form showing the rich folds of her crimson merino dress with the gossamer lace surrounding her white throat and dimpled wrists and it seemed to linger caressingly on the shining mass of black hair on the beautiful polished forehead the firm delicate scarlet lips and made the large eyes look elfish under their heavy jet lashes again the girl started and glanced over her shoulder impressed with the same tantalizing conviction of a human presence of some powerful influence which baffled analysis snatching the candle she put the gold key in her pocket and turned to leave the room but stopped for this time an unmistakable sound like the shivering of a glass or the snapping of a musical string fell on her strained ears she could trace it to no particular spot and conjectured that perhaps a mouse had taken up his abode somewhere in the room and frightened by her presence had run against some of the numerous glass and china ornaments on the etagere jostling them until they jingled replacing the book which she had taken from the shelves and fastening the box that contained the manuscripts she examined the cabinets found them securely closed and then hurried out of the room locked the door took the key and went to her own apartment with nerves more unsettled than she felt disposed to confess for some time after she laid her head on her pillow she racked her brain for an explanation of the singular sensation she had experienced and at last annoyed by her restlessness and silly superstition she was just sinking into dreams of ammon and serapis when the fierce barking of ali caused her to start up in terror the dog seemed almost wild running frantically to and fro howling and whining but finally the sounds receded gradually quiet was restored and edna fell asleep soon after the scream of the locomotive and the rumble of the cars told her that the four o'clock train had just started to chattanooga modern zoologic science explodes the popular fallacy that chameleons assume and reflect at will the colour of the substance on which they rest or feed but with a profound salaam to savants it is respectfully submitted that the mental saurian human thought certainly takes its changing hues day by day from the books through which it crawls devouringly is there not ground for plausible doubt that if the workbench of mezzofanti had not stood just beneath the teacher's window whence the ears of the young carpenter were regaled from morning till night with the rudiments of latin and greek he would never have forsworn planing for parson mastered forty dialects 
proved a walking scarlet capped polyglot and attained the distinction of an honorary nomination for the office of interpreter-general at the tower of babel the hoary associations and typical significance of the numerous relics that crowded mr murray's rooms seized upon edna's fancy linked her sympathies with the huge pantheistic systems of the orient and filled her mind with waifs from the dusky realm of a mythology that seemed to antedate all the authentic chronological computations of man to the east the mighty alma mater of the human races of letters religions arts and politics her thoughts wandered in wondering awe and belzoni burckhardt layard and chapaillon were hierophants of whose teaching she never wearied as day by day she yielded more and more to this fascinating nepenthe influence and bent over the granite sarcophagus in one corner of mr murray's museum where lay a shrunken mummy shrouded in gilded vices the wish strengthened to understand the symbols in which subtle egyptian priests masked their theogony while morning and afternoon hours were given to those branches of study in which mr hammond guided her she generally spent the evening in mr murray's sitting-room and sometimes the clock in the rotunda struck midnight before she locked up the manuscripts and illuminated papyri two nights after the examination of the targum she was seated near the bookcase looking over the plates in that rare but very valuable volume spencer's palamites when the idea flashed across her mind that a rigid analysis and comparison of all the mythologies of the world would throw some light on the problem of ethnology and in conjunction with philology settled the vexed question pushing the polymetus aside she sprang up and paced the long room and gradually her eyes kindled her cheeks burned as ambition pointed to a possible future of which till this hour she had not dared to dream and hope or leaping all berries grasped a victory that would make her name imperishable in her miscellaneous reading she had stumbled upon singular correspondences in the customs and religions of nations separated by surging oceans and by ages nations whose aboriginal records appeared to prove them distinct and certainly furnished no hint of an ethnological bridge over which traditions travelled and symbolisms crept in satin sandals during the past week several of these coincidences had attracted her attention the druidic rites and the festival of beltine in scotland and ireland she found traced to their source in the worship of phrygian baal the figure of the scandinavian disa at upsal enveloped in a net precisely like that which surrounds some statues of isis in egypt the man of rush sails used by the peruvians on lake titicaca and their mode of handling them pronounced identical with that which is seen upon the sepulchre of rameses the third at thebes the head of a mexican priestess ornamented with a veil similar to that carved on eastern sphinxes while the robes resemble those of a jewish high priest a very quaint and puzzling pictorial chart of the chronology of the aztecs contained an image of coxcox in his ark surrounded by rushes similar to those that overshadowed moses and also a likeness of a dove distributing tongues to those born after the deluge now the thought of carefully gathering up these vague mythologic links and establishing a chain of unity that would girdle the world seized and mastered her as if veritably clothed with all the power of a bath coal to firmly grasp the bible for a talisman as ulysses did the sprig of moly and to stand in the pantheon of the universe examining every shattered idol and crumbling denied altar where worshipping humanity had bowed to tear the veil from oracles and sibyls and show the world that the true good and beautiful of all theogenies and cosmogenies of every system of religion that had waxed and waned since the grey dawn of time could be traced to moses and to jesus 
seemed to her a mission grander far than the conquest of empires and infinitely more to be desired than the crown and heritage of solomon the night wore on as she planned the work of coming years but she still walked up and down the floor with slow uncertain steps like one who peering at distant objects sees nothing close at hand flush and tremor passed from her countenance leaving the features pale and fixed for the first gush of enthusiasm like the jets of violet flame flickering over the simmering mass in alchemic crucibles had vanished the thought was a crystallized and consecrated purpose at last when the feeble light admonished her that she would soon be in darkness she retreated to her own room and the first glimmer of day struggled in at her window as she knelt at her bedside praying be pleased o lord to make me a fit instrument for thy work sanctify my heart quicken and enlighten my mind grant me patience and perseverance and unwavering faith guide me into paths that lead to truth enable me in all things to labour with an eye singly to thy glory caring less for the applause of the world than for the advancement of the cause of christ o my father and my god bless the work on which i am about to enter crown it with success accept me as an humble tool for the benefit of my race and when the days of my earthly pilgrimage are ended receive my soul into that eternal rest which thou hast prepared from the foundations of the world for the sake of jesus christ End of chapter ten